What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Episode 206 of Rams Up. I hope you caught episode 205. Had a really nice discussion with Paul Walia. Class was in session. Paul took the time to explain gaps and defensive techniques to a level I've never gone before. If you want to learn more about all of that stuff, check out episode 205, preferably on the YouTube channel. We have a lot of good graphics there for you. We're going to get back to our player focuses this episode. Coming up after this opening segment, we'll talk about a couple of inside linebackers. We may have been dismissing a little bit, so we're going to revisit how these two guys fit in with the 2023 LA Rams. And coming up at the end, another episode of Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, Who's Perplexed, one of my favorite segments, taking the pulse of NFL fan bases. Some Ram ruminations to get through. Kevin Demoff stating that the Rams didn't ask Stafford to rework his contract. The Rams didn't try to trade Stafford, although teams did reach out to them. So there you go, Mike Lombardi. There you go, Colin Cowherd. And a slew of other guys that were all over these non-stories. Hey, thanks for participating. Aaron Donald, the seventh straight 99 rating on NFL Madden. I know it's just a game, but still nice to see a Ram setting a new record. Yeah, that's a new record. Seven straight 99 ratings. Not sure why it's not 100, to be honest with you. What would Aaron Donald have to do to rate a 100? If it's not AD, it ain't ever going to happen. Saw this stat as well courtesy of Jay Fowler of ESPN, AD has faced 1,797 double teams since 2017, 152 more than the next defensive player, and yet he still leads all defensive tackles in that time frame as far as pass rush win rate, 26%. Let's go back to those Madden ratings real briefly. Cooper Cup checking in with a 96. That's a little bit ahead of the likes of Jamar Chase and DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins still at 93. I question that. Justin Jefferson at 99. Tyreek Hill, 98. Devontae Adams, 97. Stephon Diggs, 96, along with Cup at 96. I would argue Cup belongs up there with Tyreek Hill at 98 at worst. That's all I'm going to say about that. Pete Schrager had a sit-down with ex-Ram scouting coordinator Brad Holmes. 
Question one, who was the one guy that you wanted to draft that you pounded the table for? He was your guy, and he thought about it for a minute, and then he came back with John Johnson, the safety out of Boston College. Holmes saying it was a point in the draft where everybody was kind of hemming and hawing. What do we do here? Not a real exciting board at that point, but John Johnson was there. He turned to Wade Phillips and said, John Johnson's a starter. And Wade Phillips responded, and I paraphrase, a starter? I'll take a starter. And John Johnson was the pick. And Holmes also had a nice story about visiting the University of Pittsburgh to check in on defensive tackle Aaron Donald. I can't do it justice here. Dig up that interview. Schrager with Brad Holmes talking about Holmes. Checking in on Aaron Donald. Nice little story. Hey, the Rams added to their tight end room signing former CFL tight end Nikola Kalanick. Hopefully I'm getting that right. 6'4", 245 pounds, out of York University in Toronto, drafted in 2019 by the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the second round, played two seasons in the CFL, 23 catches for 192 yards and two touchdowns, 26 years old, spent last season with the Colts, earned a promotion from the practice squad, was on the active roster briefly, played in seven games with two starts, His only stat was a kickoff return for 15 yards, 47 snaps on offense, 42 on special teams. Colts waived Kalanick back in May. Maybe we'll do a player focus on him in the coming weeks, get to know him a little bit. have no idea if he has a shot at making this roster. Five tight ends in the room now. Tyler Higby, Davis Allen, Bryson Hopkins, Hunter Long, and Christian Sims. And now the new Canadian as well. CBS Sports had a list of the best free agent signings ever for each NFL team, and I like to make my assessment before I read the article. How would I answer that question? Adam Timmerman, key addition, helped the Rams win a Super Bowl. Andrew Whitworth, same thing, another offensive lineman that helped the Rams win a Super Bowl. How about Jeff Wilkins? Kind of a boring pick, a kicker but the Rams stole him from a divisional rival, and he is now their all-time leader in points. Those would be my three. Adam Timmerman, a bit of a contrarian pick. A lot of people wouldn't call his name out. And don't forget, Jalen Ramsey and Marshall Falk were both acquired via trade. They'd certainly be atop of this list as well. But they picked Kurt Warner. And, you know, if you're going to talk about street-free agents... Guys like London Fletcher and Kurt Warner, I suppose. I think that's a little bit of a cop-out. Can't argue with it if that's where you're going to go with this. Kurt Warner, the best free agent signing ever. Yeah, okay, I get it. But that wasn't how I was approaching the question. We'll be back in a second. Our player focus series continues. Two inside linebackers we've probably sort of kind of forgotten about. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Hi, this is Mariah from Rams Up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 
Hey everybody, Mark from Rams Up here. Going to restart our player focus series, but before we do that, I wanted to share a sports pet peeve with you, courtesy of the NBA, specifically the NBA Summer League. Now, college basketball, you foul out with five fouls. We all know that, and I think most of us would agree they probably need to tack another foul on there, make it like the NBA. Too many college basketball games are impacted by foul trouble, in my opinion. Let them have six fouls. I think six fouls is about right. So what do they do in the summer league, though? They actually amp it up 10 fouls before you're done. Now, the logic here is that they want to see these young guys play. They don't want guys getting in foul trouble and having to leave the game. Let them foul, let them play, and we'll get a better gauge on all these players. But will they really? Are you really getting a better gauge on a guy like Brandon Miller? I think he had 15 fouls in two games, something crazy like that, without fouling out. Are you getting a good gauge on his ability to play defense or offense for that matter if you're letting him foul that many times? Most of them probably on defense. But it doesn't make sense to me, and it also really slows down the games. It makes it much more physical, a lot more grabbing, a lot more hand-checking, a lot of stuff that they are not going to get away with in the NBA. So why let them now? It just really makes the games a little bit more unwatchable. doesn't make sense to me. I could see maybe an extra foul, seven fouls. How about that? If you can let them have 10 fouls, I mean, don't even count. Don't even keep track. Not important. So let's get back to our player focuses. We talked about Warren McClendon. We talked about the defensive linemen, two or three of them. Wide receivers, the same thing. And we got away from it last episode because we got into that great episode with Paul Walia about offensive line gaps and defensive line techniques really good stuff. Check out the YouTube channel. I think that's the best way to ingest that as opposed to just the audio on the podcast, but lots of good stuff. I learned a lot from Professor Paul. But anyways, getting back to these focuses, player focuses, let's talk about the inside linebackers. Two guys I have guilty as charged, really neglected talking about them in a positive light. And that's Christian Roseboom and Jake Hommel, two guys that are returning, two young guys, not a lot of playing experience, but two guys with some potential, especially on special teams. But hey, someone's going to have to back up Ernest Jones and someone's going to have to play alongside of him as well. Christian Roseboom's probably the leading candidate and Jake Hummel as well. And we're going to take a closer look at these guys We've already talked a lot about the rookies, and there's four undrafted inside linebackers, guys that are candidates to make this team, DeAndre Square, Jaden Woodby, and Kalichi Anyalabechi. But we're going to talk about Rose, Boom, and Hummel, because I don't think we've really had a chance to get to know these guys that well. So let's do that right now. Now, Rose Boom, entering his third year, came out of South Dakota State, 6'2", 230, Joined the Rams as an undrafted free agent. Some thought he might go late seventh round maybe, but he did not get drafted. The Rams waived him and then added him to the practice squad, waived him again, 
prior to the 2021 season. The Chiefs picked him up. He played in one game for Kansas City. And then in 2021, they placed him on the practice squad. Rams signed him back onto their practice squad. And he's been with them ever since, back and forth between the Chiefs and Rams, kind of reminiscent of what happened with Kendall Blanton. Rams and Chiefs maybe just like the same types of players. So in 2022, he played in all 17 games, only seven on defense, but he had 373 snaps on special teams. So he's clearly a favorite of the Rams special team staff. Let's go back and look at his draft profile. Well, be honest, you know, there's not a lot of information on him. He was called the tackling machine, left South Dakota State with a school record 475 tackles. He's a three-time All-Missouri Valley Football Conference first-teamer. Profiler said he could play off the edge and has the versatility to stop the run and cover receivers. The one play I remember from Roseboom is that onside kick against Green Bay. The Rams are down by eight, about 20 seconds left. This is 2021. Rams tried the onside kick, and the Packers pretty much had it covered, but the play wasn't over. Darnell Savage of the Packers is heading towards the scrum. Roseboom comes flying over the top and nails Savage. Savage had let his guard down. Now, you got to remember, Roseboom is a guy that's trying to make his mark in the NFL, trying to stick on a roster, and Savage just let his guard down. Now, at that point in the game, yeah, maybe a little uncalled for. If I'm on the other side, if someone did that to the Rams, I'd be pretty PO'd probably, but I don't think it was a dirty play. Uh, the announcers were biting their tongue, I think, on that one, but... That's Christian Roseboom making his mark with the Rams. Solid special teams player. A guy that could play alongside Ernest Jones. He'll be fighting for that job for sure. But it's going to be really competitive. Hummel entering his second year out of Iowa State. 6'1", 235. He was a teammate of Brock Purdy. He was a three-star prospect coming out of Dowling Catholic High School was a backup for three years at Iowa State and then started for two years. His junior year started all 12 games, honorable mention all Big 12. Senior year, honorable mention once again, had 80 tackles, five and a half for a loss. His NFL draft profile, 5.68 grade on NFL.com. They called him fast, quick, and explosive. That was mainly based on his testing on his pro day at Iowa State. Played very consistently throughout his college career. A couple profilers saw him as a viable three-down backup at linebacker as opposed to a special teams guy, but he can play special teams. If there was a knock on him, it's that he lacks instinctiveness, has trouble recognizing plays, and maybe struggles dealing with blockers, unsure on whether to take them on or try to slip them. Right now, I'd see him as the more viable backup to Ernest Jones as opposed to someone that's going to play alongside him. But hey, we got one long training camp in front of us to sort this out. I think four of these guys are going to make the roster. Ernest Jones is going to be one of them. Christian Roseboom would be the leader as far as special teams contributions. Jake Hummel would have the inside track as Ernest Jones' backup. The question is, are one of these 
four guys, the undrafted rookies, going to step up and earn a spot playing alongside Ernest Jones, making their mark as special teams as well, of course. It's a really mixed bag, and who knows how it's going to fall out. But don't discount Rose Boom and Hummel, and I have probably been guilty of that over the last month or so. Both these guys will probably end up on the roster and then pick one of these other guys. Smenda Square would be and Anya Labechi. But hey, maybe one of them will surprise us and Rose Boom and Hummel's jobs will be at risk. I think enough has happened over the last couple of weeks to merit another who's pumped, who's pissed, who's perplexed segment. Taking the pulse of fan bases across the NFL. Now, a lot of this stuff is just based on rumors and little whispers you hear across the internet. Try not to get into the rumor stuff too much. But there are some things that have happened and things that we're starting to get a better feel for. And I'm going to start with the pumped fan bases. And this is just a little warm fuzzy I have about the Green Bay Packers and Jordan Love. The Packers may be on to something here. I don't think Jordan Love is the next Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, but he could be a pretty good quarterback, and the buzz around Packer camp seems to indicate the players are fully behind him. It'll be fun to watch how he develops this year. I still think the Packers have a tough road to get back to the playoffs, but Jordan Love might not be the disaster a lot of us were thinking a couple years ago. Which fan bases are pissed? Well, pretty simply, the New York Jets fan base and Aaron Rodgers are thoroughly pissed. Their team was selected for hard knocks. I don't think any team is really happy about it. And fan bases, hey, you get to watch your team on HBO for a few weeks. But still, it's not good for the team, not good for their prospects. It cannot help. Two fan bases are pissed based on what's going on with their running backs The Giants made leaps and bounds towards being a consistent NFL playoff contender last year. A lot of it due to the contributions of Saquon Barkley, and now they cannot get that contract figured out. They got the quarterback's contract figured out, but not the running back, and I think the running back's much more important here. And Josh Jacobs, the Raiders' running back, the NFL's leading rusher last year, He says he's holding out a training camp. I don't think the Raiders are going anywhere this year, but if you're a Raider fan, one thing you could hang your hat on is you have one of the best running backs in the league, Josh Jacobs. And this shines a light on the bigger problem with the running back position in the NFL. Austin Eckler was talking about it the other day. These guys are so devalued. They come into the league, and even the best guys have a difficult time getting a second contract earning some real money compared to some of these other position groups. A lot of people putting the blame on the Rams and Todd Gurley. And you know what? They might be right. Guys like Josh Jacobs want their money now. And I really can't blame them. I don't know what the Raiders are going to do because Josh Jacobs isn't going to help them get to the playoffs this year, I don't think. Two perplexed fan bases. First, the Niners. Still no clarity on their quarterback situation, at least from what I can see. Sam Darnold talking about how much he loves playing quarterback for them. And Darnold could thrive in that offense. But if I'm a 49er fan, I'm still a little perplexed, a little concerned. Everything else lining up for a Super Bowl run. 
So for one thing, they're quarterback. And the last fan base that's perplexed is, how about the Titans? They signed DeAndre Hopkins to a pretty big contract. Too much money, in my opinion. And this is after they got rid of A.J. Brown. Didn't want to pay him, apparently. I'd much rather have A.J. Brown at this point. And this goes back to why they fired GM John Robinson, I think. Trying to correct the mistake, maybe overcorrecting, bringing on DeAndre Hopkins. Titans are a good team. They find ways to win. One of those scrappy teams that play fundamental football. DeAndre Hopkins with Ryan Tannehill. I don't know. We'll see how it works. I think it's going to be a tough road for the Titans. But bottom line, the fan base has to be a little perplexed. Hey, they're probably excited to have DeAndre Hopkins. Every fan base gets excited when you add a talent like that. But at the same time, you have to be second-guessing your leadership on that team, the fired GM especially. Why not just keep A.J. Brown at this point in his career a much better guy to have on board than DeAndre Hopkins, in my opinion. That's my Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, Who's Perplexed segment. We'll get back to this again in a few weeks when NFL news merits that we do so. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Until next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe. Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan and Crimson Fly by Hamama. <laughs>